A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Adiola Depot here. Thank you so much for downloading Fight Night Extra. Remember, we're here every single Tuesday live on TalkSport to myself and the great Gareth A. Davis. If you can't join us live, remember to subscribe to the Fight Night podcast channel. So much other great content there as well, such as Fight Night, Fight of My Life, and even the Mike Tyson story, The Boy from Brownsville. This is Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. Well, if you love your boxing and your MMA, this is the show for you. It's Fight Night Extra with myself, Gareth A. Davis. We're going to discuss all the latest in the world of combat sports. There's no Addy this week, so I've moved into the hot seat. And I'm delighted to say alongside me today is one half of the Fight Disciples, the one and only Nick Pete. And it's all about the heavyweight division today after Alexander Usyk ripped up the script on Saturday night in North London, dethroning Anthony Joshua as the unified heavyweight champion of the world. So over the course of the next hour, we'll discuss the state of the heavyweight division following the win for the brilliant Ukrainian known as the Cat. We'll hear from Joshua's promoter, Eddie Hearn, as well as Tyson Fury's promoter, Frank Warren, who has poured cold water on a potential super fight between AJ and Fury. U6 manager Alexander Krasyuk also has been speaking to us and we hear what he has to say about his fighters' plans for the next few months. And we'll recap the best of the undercard, including impressive performances for Lawrence Sicoli, the WBO cruiserweight champion still, Callum Smith, who moved up to light heavyweight, and a less impressive performance by Campbell Hatton. Don't go anywhere. This is Fight Night Extra on Talk Sport 2. All three scores go to the winner by unanimous decision. And new heavyweight champion of the world, the fighting pride of Ukraine, Alexander Usyk. It started going 15 rounds. Joshua couldn't have gone the 15. Usyk was he was turning off the gas. The past few years, he's just kind of been overrated for me. Like I'm absolutely in awe of what we've watched tonight. It was absolutely, I don't even think world class is the right, uh, the right thing to say about it. It just seemed that he was, he, he just wouldn't impose himself. And there's a reason for that. I just don't feel, you know, I feel if he starts getting clipped, it, it takes the fight out of him. And that's exactly what happened. 
Well, I haven't spoken to him for a while, but I have been around in the combat world for a long time with this chap, my fellow friend from Liverpool. He's always got brilliant views on boxing and MMA, of course. It's the one and only Nick Pete. Let me get the top line from you, Nick. How are you? (laughs) (laughs) I'm very well. I'm recovering from an incredible weekend. As you say, two title fights and an OG matchup over in the UFC in Las Vegas. Fans back inside the T-Mobile over there for the first time in forever. And I was still obviously reeling from what went on at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium when Alexander Usyk took those titles away from Anthony Joshua in a fight for the ages. What a performance, Gareth. We feared it could happen, Mm -hmm. and it did happen. He's one of the all-time greats for me. I'm going to use some normal aphorisms in boxing today, okay, Nick? Styles make fights. Um, Intriguing fights have lots of imponderables. A big good'un beats a good little'un. (laughs) I think in this one, Anthony Joshua, and I know this won't have been missed on you, was facing outside Tyson Fury, his biggest stylistic problem in the heavyweight division. There's no one else that could give uh, Joshua the same kind of problems that Usyk brought on Saturday night. As I say, he's called a cat for a reason. Ten times more amateur fights than Anthony Joshua. 350 fights and an 18-fight undefeated professional record. Um... They got the game plan wrong, didn't they? And and secondly, for me, Joshua was very gun-shy. I don't know how you saw it. Yeah, absolutely right. Myself and Adam uh, were, were carrying the show on Saturday night on TalkSport, and we ended up focusing pretty much the whole show on the fallout of it. We were taking calls all night, and I think even the, a lot of the listeners had the same views. You know, It doesn't take somebody with your kind of experience in boxing, Gareth, to realise that Team AJ just got it woefully wrong. You know, And I'll throw another one at you here. Um, you're fighter boxer and you're boxer fighter, mm-hmm. you know? If, if, if you're facing a guy who's been to an Olympic Games before you even stepped foot into Finchley ABC, it's rather audacious to think that you're going to be able to outbox that guy, you know? And that's what it seemed to me that AJ was trying to do. It seemed like the game plan was, we're not going to use our natural size and mm-hmm. physical strength advantages and the power advantages. We're going to go in there and show the world that AJ is a consummate boxer as well, and he can outbox Usyk. That was an absolutely crazy idea, if that was indeed the game plan, because that is just singing from Usyk's script, isn't it? Absolutely right. I mean, I, it was... Look, I liked when Joshua jumped into Usyk's space at the beginning of the fight, and you could see him pressing. But what I felt was really disappointing was that he fell into a pattern of boxing Usyk very quickly after about 30, 40 seconds. Usyk then was able to command the first four rounds, land punches, and it just put Joshua into his shell. Now, Rob McCracken at the post-fight press conference when I was there, I asked McCracken um, what you know what they need to do in the second fight and if the game plan had gone wrong. And he said Anthony was not able to follow out the game plan. Um, I was really surprised with the way he boxed him. I was surprised he didn't put his elbows in, lean on him, bully him. Um, like you say, he probably should have had an additional bit of weight. Um, it's not come out clearly yet. And even though there wasn't much talk in the corner during the fight, much urgency uh, from Joshua's corner for him to go in there and bully Usyk, throw caution to the wind, go out on his shield. Um, I do think there's a very cautious approach around Joshua. And I take you back to the middle of 2019 and Andy Ruiz at Madison Square Garden when he was put 
on the canvas four times and I think there is a lot of scar tissue there mentally and I think he's gun shy as a result. When I look back now, after the Klitschko fight, Nick, which I think was, I think is Joshua's best performance, he yeah. stood off against Joseph Parker, although the referee Quartazone didn't help that night because didn't allow them to, to engage. You look at the second fight with Andy Ruiz um, and he stood off him and even against Kubrat Pulev, until he had Pulev hurt in the fourth round, he stayed off him. And I think he's got to... I think George Foreman said it yesterday, actually, on a tweet. Know who you are and just be that. It doesn't yes. matter if Joshua loses six times and wins 30 times. People won't mind if he goes out on his shield. Joshua is a power puncher. He's not a boxer. No, exactly. You know, and you've got 61,000 turning up at Tottenham Stadium, still wanting to see the power puncher. That's how he became famous. That's how he changed the, the outlook of British boxing at the moment. You know, let's pay credit where it's due. AJ was the one is the one who's been filling stadiums over the last few years. AJ is the one that has transcended the boxing press to go into the mainstream press. He's the one that's got, you know, the non-boxing fan, if you like, the casual, the all-important, valuable, casual fan of sport. He's got them interested in boxing because of them is a sense, because of the way he became world champion, because of the gung-ho nature of his performances. What's happened is after the Ruiz the defeat, especially, they tried to remodel him and it's as if they've said to AJ, right, okay, we're now going to change you into a, a big guy, a Klitschko style, a mm. Lennox Lewis style, all based on a great strong jab, soften up your opponent for the first seven or eight rounds and then close it out with a big, big right hands to finish. They tried to remodel him, but that's not AJ. That's never been AJ. He hasn't got the same kind of amateur experience of those guys have got, certainly not the likes of what Usyk have got. So to rebuild him and to, to try and reinvent him as a boxer at this stage in his career is taking him away from the attributes that got him to become an absolute superstar. And I think we've got to go backwards a little bit. They've got to yeah. try and get back to being the power puncher, get back into being Mr. Entertainment, the one that everyone's telling because you know AJ could get caught like yeah. in the Klitschko fight, but we know he can bite down and he can he can stand and trade with anybody. He's got the power to wipe anybody out. That's why 60,000 people buy tickets. Exactly. Not to see a gun-shy Anthony Joshua throwing nothing but single shots or ones and twos. There wasn't a combination rounds. all night, was there? There nothing. wasn't one combination. And you know what? When he hit him with a big right hand, when he hit Yusuf with a big right hand, Yusuf went down on his haunches and he just took it. And I think that was a moment that, that, that kind of made mentally might have broken Joshua in the fight. We're going to go over this in massive detail in the next hour. Um, but let's have a little, uh, just a skim over the the undercard for now. Um, I've got a, I'm going to go to Campbell Hatton, first of all. Um, victory for him over Sonny Martinez. Or was it victory? Marcus McDonnell, a referee, gave him points decision um, in the sixth round. Uh, fight at lightweight. Nick, I really clearly thought Campbell Hatton lost that fight. Yeah, I, I gave him one round. There's an argument he maybe won two of those rounds. Ha absolutely horrific decision by Marcus McDonald. And, and unfortunately, this is part of a, a much bigger conversation that needs to go on right now, Gareth, and that mm. is about how the British Boxing Board of Control train their judges and referees because this is not an issue that re rears its head once once a year or whatever it may be. This is every time we have a fight card, a high-profile fight card, we are seeing moments of 
shocking home bias by British judges. Listen, we've got to raise our hands. We've got to admit we are the new Germany. Ten years ago, Gareth, mm-hmm. myself and you, we'd talk and we'd write about how British boxers needed to get a knockout to score a draw in Germany. Exactly. That was just the way it was. Yeah. We are the new Germany. That's the way other five fans, other international media talk now about coming to the UK. It needs to be addressed. The border control need to address the way they train up their referees and judges because when you get involved, and I'm sure you're aware, Gareth, they shadow the current officials until they have matching scorecards to the current officials before they're given the opportunity to judge or referee fights. That is wrong. They should be taught the 10-point must system in a classroom first in that kind of environment before they then go and apply the actual letter of the law way of scoring fights Mm -hmm. rather than shadowing officials who i believe we've got an array of star class a referees in this country at the moment that aren't fit for purpose there's a much bigger conversation here gareth i know we haven't got time today Mm -hmm. but campbell hatton that was just the pick the tip of the iceberg as far as i'm concerned and a real issue with british officials scoring fights for British fighters. Spot on, Nick. And um, we will discuss that in more detail um, in in shows going on because it really does need uh, to be pressed on the boxing border control. In fact, I've put a call in to Robert Smith, the boxing uh, border control secretary, to see what they are doing about that. Because if you remember, Nick, a couple of weeks ago when Robson Concesau and Oscar Valdez fought, one of the judges in that fight got the fight horribly wrong and actually wrote a very transparent statement which I think is is the beginning of helping it. And I would like Robert Smith to allow judges and referees to say, I think I made a mistake there. And I think that there is a problem with... Um, like you say, um, psychologically perhaps having some kind of... I can't accuse on air uh, Marcus McDonald of having deliberate bias, but um, th- 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 they need to see that they... That they just, like you say, A... He needs to be taken back to the classroom and it needs to be made public and him talk through how did you score that round for him? How Because he fills yeah. out a card, remember? Why did you score yeah. that round for him? And if he gets it wrong and, and he admits it, then it's made public. I think the transparency helps everyone and it helps everyone towards not feeling that, they should, that they're psychologically supporting uh, the house fighter. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, I've spoken to three separate officials, all with the British Box and Border Control, all who, for obvious reasons, because the board don't allow their officials to speak out, completely off the record, but all three who I reached out to personally had the same response. It was a shocking card from Marcus, yeah. and uh, they really had no explanation for it. We, we can, Gareth, we can do better, we must do better, we need to address it. Absolutely. Just a very quick word, Nick, on two other fights on the card before we go to the break. Um, Lawrence Sokoli uh, defended his WBO cruiserweight title against Dylan Prasovic, 15-0. Prasovic was with 12 knockouts coming into this. I'd seen him before. I thought it was going to be a straightforward knockout for Sokoli, and indeed it was. What was your take? Yeah, I completely agree. I've got no idea how that guy climbed to the top of the WBO rankings. Number one. Listen, number one. Yeah, 
honestly, if, if he's the best guy outside of the champions that the WBO can come up with, then the WBO desperately needs to look at their rating system because he had no business being in the ring. But listen, the positives are Cody looked great. I love the way he's evolving under Shane McGuigan. Now it's time for unifications. I would love yeah. to see the fight with Elunga Mukabu, who, uh, who, who Tony Bellew famously defeated at Goodison, but has now gone on to become WBC champion. And I'd love to see the fight with, uh, you know, there's a, there's a couple of guys in around that weight division. Big ticket opponents for him. I'd love to see unification fights because eventually Acoli's going to heavyweight, as we know. Absolutely. And we'll talk more about Lawrence Acoli as the show goes on. Um, I'm just just to before the break, um, Lenin Castillo left, left hospital yesterday after being floored horribly by a right hand of Callum Smith, the former number one super middleweight champion who stepped up to light heavyweight for the first time, checked in with the boxing board yesterday um, and learned that he was responsive in the arena. He took, he took a horrible fall. Um, he was responsive in in the arena, conscious uh, in the ambulance, comfortable in hospital, had his brain scan and the doctors were happy that he was fine to leave yesterday. So that's very good news. But Callum Smith at light heavyweight could indeed be a very, very formidable sport. You're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2 in partnership with DAZN. Your boxing, your way, DAZN. Game changed. Still to come, we'll hear from Camp Usyk about what's next for the champion, the new champion. And after the break, we'll get the verdict of Eddie Hearn and Frank Warren. With or without the belts, I'll fight whoever. You know, the Rotan Disputed is a nice title to have and a nice title to chase. But would you still watch it without the belts? Exactly. So that's the main thing is that you've got two competitive fighters in the ring um, from UK soil that just want to go toe-to-toe. You're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2 with me, Gareth A. Davis, Nick Pete alongside me. Uh, let's continue our look back at the big fights over the weekend in partnership with DAZN. Look, let's get to the crux of the matter. Eddie Hearn, for once, was critical of AJ after the performance. I thought he was very honest about it afterwards. Um, here's what he had to tell us afterwards. There's no one could convince him any different, you know, He's got to make changes. He's got to do better. Usyk will probably, uh, I'm pretty sure he'll be a favourite going into the rematch, which was very different different to the Ruiz rematch. AJ, I was just looking at the scorecards then. He was winning the fight through eight rounds and he lost every round. 9, 10, 11, 12 on every card. And that was what, what swung the scorecards. But they're the championship rounds and that's where Usyk came strong. You know, he did what he did, which was where down his opponent probably mentally a little bit as well and uh you know he won those key championship rounds well hern honest on some of the points, but I do not see the card being as he saw it. I agreed with the Ukrainian judge, Nick. I saw it. The most you could give Joshua to me was three rounds, um, maybe four, eight, four, at the, 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 at the very best, but nine, three. How anyone saw Joshua winning four rounds up to the eighth round. I do not see that. No, unfortunately, Howard Foster's card, uh, that was, that's exactly how it read, you know, and, and that was disappointing. Once again, the British judge uh, very much showing some rose-tinted glasses in favour of AJ there. I don't know how he scored AJ within the first two rounds. I think anyone that watched that fight could clearly see that wasn't the case. But, um, yeah, listen, 
Eddie's always going to support his guy. And it was nice there to hear Eddie be critical of AJ for once because he deserves it. Because that, that's the last thing AJ needs right now. And I think he got a lot of backslapping in the corner during the fight. And I think for me, you know, a ton of blame has got to go in the direction of the corner team as Chief Second, Robert McCracken. I think they've worked, clearly worked on a game plan for this fight. They clearly designed the way that they thought they were going to win this fight. And whether AJ didn't pull the trigger, which then offers up questions about communication and whether he's you know, listening to the corner at all, or whether the corner, and this is what I believe, just got the tactics completely wrong on the night. I don't know, but there's a real inquiry that's needed. And what AJ desperately needs around him this week in the aftermath are not backslappers, not people telling him he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. People that are willing to look him in the eyes and say, listen, we got it completely wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong in camp. That's wrong in camp. It's time to change things up, shake things up, and 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 go back to being the old Anthony Joshua. That's what he needs now more than anything. Absolutely right. And I think that um, that honesty is going to be a very, very important... I mean, I don't think they try and pull the wool over his eyes. I mean, I think Robert Kraken's always been quite transparent, Nick, that Joshua is a work in progress, that he didn't have vast amateur experience. We know that he was always ahead of the game in terms of what he has... Into, uh, he, he can talk the talk, but he can't walk the walk. He won a world championship against one of the arguably one of the worst world champions ever in history, in Charles Martin, the mm-hmm. IBF champion. Um, uh, he has four opponents he needs to fight. He doesn't duck people. He could have dumped the WBO belt uh, in yeah. the bin, frankly, and Absolutely. said, "No, I'm. I'll, you sit can have it." He can fight for it with someone else, and I'll just wait for Fury to beat Wilder because I want the mega fight. And and I do, and I think. He would have got a little bit of flack for that for a little while, but once the Fury fight was signed, he probably wouldn't have got much flack. And if he'd won it, he'd have been called the greatest since sliced bread. I don't think he beats Fury. I never thought he would beat Fury. But there are definitely question marks about the way he fought that fight. I go back to the gun shy. I think he they wanted him to put it on him. Um, but Usyk was so adept early on. He's called the cat for a reason. Um, and once once Joshua found that he wasn't able to get uh, in range and be there and throw a combination because Usyk was there and then gone, swaying to the left, the right, moving, um, but also looking to counter very quickly as well. I thought he got befuddled in there, and I think he lost track of things, and then I think the corner lost track of it because they didn't seem to be urging him on with urgency. Eddie Hearn says no one will convince him out of taking the rematch. Do you think he should take the rematch, Nick? I don't think he should take the rematch, no. I think that would be a big mistake. This is this is not the Andy Ruiz situation in New York when AJ just looked completely out of sorts, even around the ring, never mind inside the ring. And then when the fight started, you know, his timing wasn't there. He looked way off. He dropped Ruiz, then got caught heavily. He was asking some really bizarre questions back in the corner. You know, I don't know whether we will ever find out what truly went on uh, during that fight camp for Ruiz, but what is clear is that he wasn't at his very best. And that's why in the rematch, you know, he was so easily to put it right. Um, and he was so, and he, you know, out in Saudi Arabia, there was no real issue. And going into that rematch, he was still an overwhelmingly huge favourite because we could all see he wasn't right in New York. And, and Nick, difference. and Nick, he stayed behind the jab all night and never engaged, if you recall. Exactly. And, and when, when Ruiz, as you say, was 21 stone, he bought five cars. And the reason he bought the five cars, he was driving them to parties all the time. And the, and, exactly. And, and, and we didn't learn anything 
about the about the combination of starting behind your jab and then moving, breaking someone down and being a destructive fighter. That's what Joshua is, and that's what he's got to be. Um, the other thing for me, I think they have to take the rematch. It could leave his career in tatters if he loses. Yes, there's always a Tyson Fury fight out there with no belts that everyone will go and watch. There's no question about that. Um, but but Joshua will be told you're getting 25% and I'm getting 75. I'm afraid, mate. And that's where they'll start, the, or maybe 80-20, and that's where they'll yeah. start the negotiations. But I think they're in a cul-de-sac. Hearn and Joshua have to take the rematch, you know, because I think it's his one opportunity to win all the belts back. Because you know what? If he does go out there and let his hands go and gets into a firefight with Usyk, he may get knocked out. But if he isn't knocked out and he takes the belts back from Usyk, do you know what? It's the 10-80-10 rule. You know that, Nick. 10% love you, 10% hate you, and the 80 swing with the curve. And all will be forgiven then, won't it? Uh, listen, I completely agree, but I just think the other option is to let Usyk go on and maybe make a home defense against the Joe Joyce or somebody like that. Someone that he, he would start as favorites against, of course. Let him go back to Kiev. You know, he's been a road warrior for so long. Let him have this huge homecoming that is destined for him. Let somebody else step into the fray. And then meanwhile, you've got Tyson Fury taking on Wilder. More than likely, hopefully, the way things are looking, hopefully Tyson, you know, doesn't take his eye off the ball, beats Wilder. Then the unification fight for early next year, for me, is... Usyk versus Fury, you know, maybe they go <laughs> yeah. straight into that fight nest, Usyk Fury for all the belts, and then whoever wins that, because I, I, I tell you now, they could do Usyk Fury for all the belts, but they wouldn't sell out 71,000 tickets at Tottenham Stadium, no. AJ does that, that's what AJ does, mm. AJ's the ticket seller, and I disagree with Eddie Hamer, he said, if we don't take it now, we'll never get a chance again, no, I disagree, Eddie, if you go away and maybe fight Dillian White early next year at the O2, you sell a bunch of tickets, it's a huge domestic clash, I think AJ can outbox Dillian White and he can outpunch Dillian White as well. Don't get me wrong, it's not a for, it's not a foregone conclusion. Dillian White bites your hand off for that fight, by the way. But I think AJ's got the advantages in his corner to beat Dillian White, get back on the track and say, right, where's all the belts at? Meanwhile, Tyson has taken on Usyk. I think Tyson has got the boxing brain to maybe befuddle and lean all over and be heavy on Usyk. The things you said three earlier that heavier. we expected AJ to do. Exactly. Tyson knows heavier. how to use that size yeah. and weight advantage. Yeah. Yeah. He beats Usyk, wins all the belts. Guess what? Suddenly AJ Fury is back on. Mm. It's worth 150 million again. Okay, you might not be looking at a 50% cut for AJ, but the super legacy defining fight is back on. Equally though, we are so far away from it, it may never happen. And I don't want to put a damper yes. on what Nick just said, but we've seen it so many times, the tapestried history of the heavyweight division. Woulda, shoulda, coulda. Well, look, that, that's, that was Eddie Hearn, and that's what we think about what he had to say on Saturday night. I personally applaud Joshua for taking the rematch. I get all Nick's points, though. They're very well made. Frank Warren, the rival promoter, and of course uh, um, Tyson Fury's promoter in the UK, um, he spoke to Talk Sport uh, soon after the match on Sunday, and uh, after the, I just called it a match. and I called it a match because it was at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. I am never, ever going to do that again it was a fight well was it a fight um what does saturday's defeat mean for a potential super fight now between aj and tyson fury here's what frank warren had to say i think the big difference between the rematch between ruiz and joshua and uh, if there was a rematch with Usyk, is that Usyk is a thorough professional he won't be training in his larder you know he's a professional man 
and you know, and and I, and I can't see any difference. And, I, and I'm not being an aftertime. I know we've said this quite a few times, Adam, you know, Adam, over the years. I've always felt, you know, every time he fights, he's vulnerable. I've always felt that. He, and I'm not being an aftertimer. You can see it. He gets clipped. And certainly his last few fights, it's, that's, that certainly has been the case. And tonight, it just seemed that he was he, he just wouldn't impose himself. And there's a reason for that. I just don't feel, you know, I feel if he starts getting clipped, it, it takes the fight out of him. And that's exactly what happened. So, Nick, uh, that was Frank Warren. What do you think about his comment there that he always looks vulnerable, AJ, when he fights? I think there's some truth in that. You know, I think throughout his career, that's been part of the attraction, hasn't it? The fact that he can be caught and whether he can get up and drop the other guy. You know, it, we reflect back on the Klitschko performance when he did get dropped, but he picked himself back up and that was all part of why that's one of the greatest heavyweight fights, you know, to feature on these shows, certainly in the modern era. So I think, I think Frank is absolutely right, but don't let that take away. That's part of AJ's attraction. You know, it's the fact that, yes, he has got a questionable chin against the big heavyweights, but the fact that that chin may be open means that opponents open up maybe. And I'm going back now to the gung-ko, the big punch in AJ. Uh, I think that's part of the reason why he was su he's such a fan's favourite. Yeah, and he was fearless then. And, and I think, yeah. you know, he was fearless, but he was also in for the ride, you know? he. I, I'll take this as far as I can take it. I, I, I'm going to say this. He doesn't have self-doubts as a human being, but I think because of his very slim amateur pedigree and the rapid ascent in the heavyweight division at the elite end as well, I think he does have doubts at times about his own boxing ability and where he ought to be and that he listens too much to other people sometimes. I think, you know, I'd say George Foreman is right. He said it. Uh, in a tweet yesterday, know what you are and just be it. And I think those are the kind of people that Joshua needs to speak to now. People that know him well, can see what he is and just advise him to... Because, look, he's dealt... With, I think he deals with defeat quite well, you know? I mean, he dealt with defeat against Andy Ruiz well. He dealt with defeat, certainly outwardly. I mean, he'll be hurting so much today. You know, he'll be kicking himself. He'll be he'll be throwing punches at the wall. He'll be hitting the bag. He'll be hitting the big bag going, why wasn't I doing this on Saturday night? But I do really feel that um, stop thinking you're a boxer because it's going to give you trouble in your self-belief because he isn't a boxer and he's never going to be a pure boxer. He is an incredibly huge human being and the heavyweight division is about knockouts. So go out there and knock people out. And he's brilliant at it. You know, that's how he brings so many eyeballs. You know, I just don't understand why he's tried to turn himself into something that he isn't. And as you say, I think the big questions now in the immediate aftermath are, do I have I got the right corner around me? Do I need to evolve? You know, all the greats have changed trainers over the years. There's a lot to be said for loyalty, and I appreciate the fact he's just signed with Eddie here and extended that deal. You know, loyalty goes a long way in my book, but you've got to be selfish in this game. And if he's gone stagnant or if he's been taking bad advice, then he needs to put that to one side. He needs to move forward with his career because I think if he has the same setup going into the rematch, exactly the same setup, exactly the same team around him, it will be the exact same result. And you know what? Earning £150 million in your career doesn't mean anything when you get beaten like that because he will be 
it's not about the money in the end. He's incredibly successful. Exactly. But it's about the ambition he has burning him in burning in him as a human being. You're listening to Fight Night Extra on Talksport 2. And that was a look back at this weekend's big fights, thanks to DAZN. Your boxing, your way game changed. Next, we're going to hear from USIC's manager, Alexander Krasiuk. USIC says he wants to live after becoming champion. So it'll be Cossack dancing, juggling, and whatever those things are that he will do. Uh, reading the Bible and watching Peaky Blinders, of course. We'll hear from his camp next. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. He boxed extremely well. I mean, I did when I've done my column in the Stars today. I said that if if, he's, if it goes if it goes to points, he'll win it on points. Because I thought if he if he's not got rid of him, if he can't get rid of him, he's not going to outbox him. But I was very very surprised the way he boxed him, and and the, the fact that AJ he was I mean he was getting out jabbed by the smaller guy. You're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2 with me, Gareth Davis, and him, Nick Pete, who's been in fiery form today, delivering the real verdict on Saturday night's showdown, shock, horror showdown for Anthony Joshua at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Let's turn our attention now to the new unified heavyweight champion of the world, Alexander the Cat Usyk. Speaking through a translator post-fight, Yusik said he wants to take some time and spend quality moments with his family now that he has reached the summit of the heavyweight division. I want to live. I wanted to take all the four belts. I wanted to take my kids to school. I wanted to plant the trees. I wanted to water the apple trees. I wanted to see my wife more often. I, wanted, I, I, I spent three months in the preparation camp. I wish I could spend more time with my wife. I want to live. Two more questions, please. If the winner of October 9th, Fury or Wilder, said straight after that they want you next, will that take precedent over an AJ rematch for you? I really love challenges, uh, but it all depends. As, as long uh, I will explain, I will not translate. As long as we are having the rematch clause in our contract, so uh, Anthony Joshua is our next opponent. No matter who wins, no matter who calls us out, but uh, he says he loves challenges. He loves when someone calls him out. So, Nick, uh, Alexander Usyk, being his normal quirky self there, he wants to go and plant the trees, take kids to school. Um, 
you know, do all the things that he normally does. You know, he he is a formidable champion. He deserved everything he gets from this. Um, it was a brilliant performance. He did what Anthony Joshua didn't do, which was he stole the heavyweight belts. Joshua, it was his fight to lose, and he lost it. Now, I want to ask you about Alexander Usyk. All last week, I was around him. He never gave anything away. He didn't do any duties that he shouldn't have been doing. He delighted us with his Cossack moustache and earring, um, the look that he had at the press conference with the red suit. Uh, the Joker, but he said it was he, he he wants to look like a Cossack. He's descended from the Cossacks of the Crimean. Um, I loved the way he walked into the ring. You know, he had a visor down over his face, mm-hmm. ignored the crowd. Anthony Joshua kissed a lady on the way in. Um, fist bump fans. You never saw Mike Tyson or Lennox Lewis doing that on their way into a, a world heavyweight title defense. You know, um, Usyk for me carried himself. All week and on the night, right until the till the first bell, like a man who was totally focused, meditatively so, on winning that belt. It's his best performance of his life, bar none for me. Yeah, listen, I agree, Gareth. I'd also urge anybody listening to go back and look at his performance against Murat, Murat Gassiev as well when he unified the cruiserweight division. and In Moscow, you know, yeah. And, the... and in Moscow, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that's that's the story of his career. You know, he spent the last six years on the road. He went to Latvia to beat the Latvian. He went to Germany to beat the German. America a couple of times to beat the top Americans. He won his world title out in Poland. Then he came over here and beat Tony Bellew to really, you know, rubber stamp that reign as undisputed cruiserweight champion. in the UK. Yeah, but listen, I, I think that for me, people got too hung up on his two performances at heavyweight prior to this fight. They got too hung up on the Chaz Witherspoon performance where he looked a little bit lackluster. And then more than anything, people bought into the 12 rounds against Derek Chisora where he looked slow and he didn't look quite there. And I think that was part of the reason why he got the AJ fight. I think they looked at his performance against Tajora's where Chisora said, ah, he's just not big enough. He can't keep Chisora off him. But all I seen in that fight was Usyk putting in a substandard performance. For me, it was like it was like the way he started the first four, five rounds against Bellew in third gear. He spent the whole fight against Chisora in third gear. And I was thinking, why is he doing this? Why is he doing this? And then suddenly they announced the Joshua fight and I said, he's fooled us all. He's fooled everybody into thinking he's not as good a heavyweight as he was a cruiserweight. But having followed his entire cruiserweight career, I knew that version was turning up on Saturday night. I knew Usyk was going to turn up on Saturday and be as good as he was when he went to Moscow and beat Gassayev, when he came to Manchester and beat Bellew. And I think whether that got caught fans out, because I think a lot of the fans, especially at the stadium, were saying, oh, yeah, you know, AJ's just going to blow this guy away. And I was like, he absolutely is not. Mm. Usyk's got a tremendous chin. And if allowed to, he will outbox AJ. And that's exactly what happened. Well, I think he killed yeah. a lot of people with that performance against Chisora. Well, I do, I'm, I'm, that's one way of looking at it. I, I, I thought Chisora bullied him in the first five rounds of that fight and really went after him. You know that style, he bustles forward, Joe Frazier style, bobbing and yeah. weaving. And, and, and that's all Derek knows, to come forward and keep going. And I, I, do, I did think that there was a degree of discomfort for Usyk in the early rounds of that fight, but then he showed his boxing brilliance. Um, yeah. You know that he he didn't 
he, he took Joshua's big punch, the right hand in the fifth or sixth round. Um, he, he carried the shots to the body that Joshua landed on him. Uh, like you say, he, he's an extraordinary uh, champion. And, and for me, um, I think he could go on. Uh, outside Fury, I think, I think he's got the wherewithal to beat Wilder. Who, who is yeah. probably a, has less boxing skills, but obviously a dangerous punch um, that that Joshua also has. But if he keeps him on the back foot, I could see him beating him. I, the only guy that I think definitely beats Usyk in the heavyweight division, I think he is the number one. I've always called him the number one. Is, is you know Tyson Fury. What I yes. wonder about Alexander Usyk is, will he? Can he? Go into a firefight with Anthony Joshua in a second fight. What do you think? I think what he showed in this fight, especially in the in the twelfth round, let's not forget about how the fight ended as well. Joshua was saved by the bell. You know, if there was another thirty seconds there, or if there was a thirteenth round, I think Anthony Joshua gets stopped in the fight. And Usyk even said afterwards that his corner team told him not to knock AJ out. They now, did. Whether that's just a they little did. bit of kidology, whether that's them letting people know that just to get into AJ's head ahead of the rematch to say, "Listen, if we'd have wanted to, we yeah. could have really put the foot down and got yeah. you out of there, but we didn't. We're saving that for the rematch." You know, that's now. Whether he likes it or not, that will get to AJ and that will be stuck inside AJ's head. Did he let me off the hook? If you look at that last round, you could argue, yes, he did. Um, Nick, there was another thing. I, I just think were, yeah. if Usyk's confidence now will be through the roof, Gareth. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Usyk is not a guy that suffers for lack of confidence anyway. But even though as good as he was, as exciting he was as a cruiserweight, you know, uh, 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 the way I perceived as heavyweight run prior to AJ, bit of kidology, You've still got to actually go in there and deliver. You've still got to go in there with a big guy like Anthony Joshua, with the number of knockouts that he's got and the title reign that he's had. You've still got to go in there and execute your own game plan and do the business. But now Usyk has done that, I think his confidence will be through the roof for the rematch. And I don't know whether he'll stand and trade with AJ, but I can see him playing with AJ again for a number of rounds and then absolutely putting his foot down. Because let's be honest, 9, 10, 11, 12, AJ was gone. He had he nothing was, left. He was. It was very poor to see. Look, to put a full stop and an underline on this, there were two other words from Usyk at the press conference afterwards that will not be missed on Anthony Joshua. And they asked him how good Joshua was in there. And he said two words, nothing special. You're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2 in partnership with DAZN. Your boxing, your way, DAZN. Game changed. Next, we turn our attention to the undercard. Callum Smith and Lawrence Acoli, both impressing. Body shot to the ribcage, and that'll be a second knockdown. You might not recover from this one. I don't get off. Are you afraid of the power now, too? You might not get up at all. And that is it. Lawrence Acoli delivers the sauce here in London. You're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2 with me, Gareth Davis, and him, Nick Pete, who is, I will repeat, on fire today. Let's switch now to the undercard from Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Saturday night and look, first of all, at the performance of Lawrence Acoli, um, a brutal stoppage of uh, Dylan Prasovic. We've become accustomed to that with the unbeaten Acoli. Huge man, used to weigh 300 pounds. He's now a 200 pound cruiserweight, a man inspired into the ring and out of the fast food chain he was working in in 2012, seeing the 
man who now manages him, Anthony Joshua, win Olympic super heavyweight gold in London. Uh, Lawrence has done nothing wrong so far. He's improving under trainer Shane McGuigan. He's had a book out in lockdown. He's, he's writing rap songs now. He's growing and growing. He is a massive cruiserweight, and I'm fascinated to know what Nick thinks, not just of the performance on Saturday night, which I'd like you, you to tell me about, but also how far this guy can go, Nick. I, I don't think there's any ceiling on what he can achieve, you know, and I think he's been the phenomenal standout athlete from this Rio squad. You know, when you think that he went out to the Rio Olympics, part of a red-hot squad that we had out there, uh, and didn't actually medal, uh, and yet he's come back, and, and he's done it, He's done it the traditional route, Gareth, and I think you can't argue against any fighter that goes the traditional route, you know, British, Commonwealth, European, and now world honours. And it hasn't been a straight road. It hasn't been a a comfortable road for him either. Um, You know, he has had big domestic clashes, big, you know, experience on his record, tick the box, the Isaac Chamberlain-type fights. And then, you know, he got a lot of criticism for his his punch-and-hold style, which was really not very attractive for fans. And then he switched coach over to Shane McGuigan. Seems to be a lot more fluid now, letting the big shots go. Still a little bit unorthodox and gangly in there, but I like that about bottom I do I do traction you know I do I I just think he's he's evolved so much when you look at some of the other GB Olympians from that same Olympic Games are you expected to be a lot further along where they are now people haven't even you know won domestic title belts from that squad and yet here's Lawrence Coley who's you know basically conquering the world and for me all set for unification fights well I'm looking at the unifications Nick um there's uh Arsene Goulamirian, who's the WBA champion, super champion. Uh, Maris Bradis, the IBF, who I really would love to see him fight. Or as you mentioned earlier, maybe the WBC champion who Tony Belly fought, Lumba Makabu. Um, you know, all of those are good fights. I think he can unify the division and become undisputed champion. I think you're absolutely right. You know, he's got so much ability and uh, he's got freakish punch power. And uh, You know, I love a body shot and the way he went to the body at the weekend. Again, you know, we, t- we touched on it earlier in the show. Um, Dylan Prazovic, no idea how he became number one, can, the number one mandatory for the WBO belt. Mm. But that's not a, Lawrence's problem. Lawrence's problem is about turning up, doing the business and getting his guy out of there as quickly as possible. He absolutely done that at the weekend. Uh, and I think he's coming on leaps and bounds. The future looks brilliant for him. There's there's great fights out there in the division. As I say, Alumba Makabu, Mar- Maris Bredis, even Murat Gassiev, who's the next challenger, obviously, underneath Prasovic uh, for the WBO title. He is a very big man, though, and he's naturally um, probably a lot more than 200 pounds. Um, what's your view on him at, cruiser, at, uh, at heavyweight? Because he wants to step up to the heavyweight division. Yeah, I th- listen, I think it's inevitable for Lawrence because he is such a big guy and he has got a wiry frame on him. So uh, no doubt that is going to be something that they can get stuck into. I know they've got a good strength and t- conditioning team around that camp as well, the McGuigan camp. So I think he'll, um, you know, once he gets to work on that and he changes nutrition around and start him on a real explosive weight program, I think the muscle will stack on Lawrence Coley, and uh, I think he will be formidable and it's super exciting that we've got this next generation of UK heavyweights ready to take over from the current generation let's just hope that in a couple of weeks time, we still own a slice of this heavyweight title belt Mm -hmm. because we've lost three of the belts and we've only got one left in the UK now, let's hope Tyson can keep hold of it What's your prediction? For Tyson? Oh listen 
Prior to the weekend, I was 100% confident. I was dancing <laughs> my way to the the airport next weekend to go over to Vegas to see him to see him win the trilogy fight. But I, unfortunately, I just don't know where does where his mind is at now. And I'm looking forward to seeing him next week, Gareth, as mm. I know you you are as well. Because I think Tyson would have taken that defeat to AJ pretty badly because Usyk stole of, of his moments. That was supposed to be Tyson Fury's moments and he was supposed to be paid incredibly well for that moment and it's been taken away from him now. So the motivation to beat Wilder without the logical next step after that um, could be difficult to get through the years of Tyson Fury. So I need to see him next week and you know, hopefully he's, he's got his head screwed on his shoulders and he's you know, hopefully he's got a plan for post Deontay Wilder because that plan got set him up in flames at the weekend. Yeah, I cannot wait for that trilogy fight. Uh, it's on Talk Sport, of course, on October the 9th, and we are going to be out there covering the entire event uh, all week. Quick word on um, what do we do with Campbell Hatton? What, do, what does Eddie Hearn do with Campbell Hatton? What's, what does uh, Ricky Hatton do with Campbell Hatton, his son? Um, you know, he, he benefited from a shocking decision against Sonny Martinez. Um, he's in the big lights. He was on the, the Rumble in the Rock, the Gibraltar event, the rematch between Dillian White and Alexander Povetkin. He was, um, what was the other big event he was on? He's, he's, he's been, he, he's certainly there all the time. He's, he's, he's visible. He's getting interviewed yeah. all the time. He's 19 years old. He's, he's a very young father, very little amateur uh, pedigree, and yet he's being thrust into the limelight. And I think he's got to learn a lot to learn yet about being in the ring and being a pro boxer. An awful lot to learn. You know, it, it, his dad was a much more accomplished amateur boxer. And I remember, you know, the first couple of years of Ricky Hatton's career going to Witness Leisure Centre and, you know, places like that. And, uh, to, to see Ricky in the early stages. And for me, it's just too much too soon for Campbell Hatton. These cards are just way too big for him. Yes, great experience and everything else, but they these should be the once a year occasions, not the every fight occasions. If I was Ricky, I've got to be honest, I'd, I'd have a chat with someone like Steve Wood up in Manchester yeah, or... Yeah. Or John Pegg in Birmingham and say, listen, let's get let's get Campbell out on a few of your shows, dinner shows in front of a couple of hundred people because I'm not upset with the matchup. I think Sonny Martinez with a two and four record is a is is a good matchup for someone like Campbell Hatton at this experience. But what you're gonna understand is Sonny Martinez gets a phone call to take a fight at a week's notice. You're going to be fighting in front of 70,000 people at a stadium in the UK on a world heavyweight title undercard. Sonny Martinez has just been handed the Champions League final. Yeah. This is a, you know, a journey when boxers just been told the greatest night of your life is one week away. So, of course, he's going to turn up with the greatest performance of his life. That's every time Campbell fights. Every time he fights, the journeyman he's fighting is having that one Rocky Balboa versus Apollo Creed phone call. Guess what, son? This is the best call of your life. Come and fight on the biggest show you're ever likely to be at. That's Campbell's opponent every time. It's too much pressure for the young man. He just hasn't got the experience yet to be able to cope with that. So I think go back to his roots, go back to local shows, dinner shows, you know, and then maybe once a year, as I say, appear on a, a big show. When it comes to Manchester, when Matroon do a big show at Manchester Arena, whatever it may be, then great, get Campbell on the undercard. But I think they need to rethink the direction that he's going in because it's just, it's clearly just too much too soon for the young lad. Here, here, Nick. I think you're absolutely right. Well, we are coming to the end of Fight Night Extra. Um, I want to have a quick word um, before we break. Chris Eubank Jr. makes his return to the ring 
uh, live this weekend. On Talk Sport, by the way, we are there. Um, son of Chris Eubank Senior's fighting Sven Elbia at Wembley Arena. We will be there with the team. It'll be live through the night, uh, the late evening on Saturday. Um, he says he's fired up and motivated after the Joshua defeat. What are you expecting from Chris Eubank? And what do you want after this, Nick, if he wins? Uh, I, I'm expecting an explosive performance. You know, I, I'm, I'm glad he's back down at middleweight. I'm glad this is his proper weight division, Chris. And I, I think he's got so much ability. Uh, he, he is, a, you know, he has got the ability to become a world champion. And I think he needs to do it at middleweight. I think a big statement performance against LB at Wembley Arena will unlock that. Exciting to see him with his new head coach, Roy Jones Jr. as well. See the work they've been doing behind closed doors. And then in typical Eubank fashion, Hand him a microphone after he gets his knockout win and let him do his stuff. Let him call out the big fights. Gennady Golovkin, Golovkin, I'd like to see him fight. Get him over to the UK. Let's have a big fight here. Because, and and also, I tell you, Chris Eubank looked very composed on the broadcast on Saturday night, in my view as well. I thought he, 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 he was charismatic on there. Um, he he came across. He was he was sanguine about everything he discussed. He was honest, and he's got everything his dad had. Well, I hope he has in the ring. Um, but he's he's not the zany character that Chris. He might be inside, but he doesn't show it. He's not the zany character his father was and still is. And I think, as you say, as you rightly said, Nick, um, that partnership with Roy Jones Jr. in the last 18 months has Mm. done wonders for him. And the great thing is the old man uh, really respects and loves Roy Jones Jr. So there's no carping in his ear. Um, Nick, you've been brilliant. Uh, this has been Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. A big thanks to my co-host this week, Mr. Pete, for joining me. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for downloading our Fight Night Extra. Remember, we're back every single Tuesday for more great content. And if you miss us, make sure you subscribe to Fight Night to catch up on all our other episodes. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.